This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. In Canto 26 of Dante's Purgatorio, we're not simply told how the souls that are enslaved to lust are set free. We are instead shown how this transformation actually happens. As you may remember, in describing purgatory, Dante's addressing a topic that some Protestants would call sanctification. Given that most Christians don't die in a state of moral perfection, and given that without holiness, no one can see God, what actually happens between the moment of death and the soul's union with God? In other words, how is a soul set saved by faith able to grow in virtue or holiness? whether in this life or the next. At the end of the previous canto, Dante the poet has already told us the way that this last vice, this wound of lust, is healed. It happens, he says, through the combination of two things. First, through the suffering that's caused by the cleansing fire. And second, through what he calls such food or such meals, tai pasti in Italian by which he means the truth of the words that the penitents sing and chant together. The pilgrim Dante has been walking a narrow path with Virgil and Statius along the outer edge of this seventh terrace, so that on their left is the wall of fire, while on their right is the sheer cliff that drops to the terrace below. As they walk, the first thing that they hear is singing, a song that begins, God of greatest clemency or mercy. At the end of Canto 25, we are also reminded of the examples of chastity provided by the Virgin Mary and the goddess Diana. All of this happens, however, before Canto 26 begins. In effect, we've already been told that these painful fires and these words are the means by which the wound of lust is healed. But if we've already been told all this, what more is there to say? What Dante provides in Canto 26 is not simply a description, but an opportunity to recognize and participate in the affective changes that constitute growth in virtue. Now, to discern this, we need to remember where we are in this journey and what's at issue in this particular terrace of purgatory. We shall consider what Dante shows us first through the narrated actions, second through the extended comparisons, and third through the dramatized speeches. Ultimately, he shows us why the sweet style of vernacular love poetry needs to become the sweet new style of divine love poetry. As the story unfolds, as Dante, Virgil, and Statius walk beside the wall of fire on their left, the sun is setting on their right, and the penitents notice that Dante is casting a shadow. He's asked about this seemingly solid body that he has. Now remember that the shades are awaiting reunion with their own bodies at the end of the age. As Dante starts to answer, however, he's interrupted by the sudden movement of the penitents as those on the outer edge exchange places with those who have been walking in the opposite direction, closer to the mountain. As they pass one another, they exchange a chaste kiss of greeting and shout a confession of their respective source of shame. One group shouts, Sodom, Gomorrah. The other group shouts the story of Pasiphae, the mythic queen of Crete whose sexual union with a bull resulted in her giving birth to the Minotaur. Now, the reference to Pasiphae is not to suggest that these penitents have engaged in bestiality. Rather, these are the heterosexual penitents, he calls them hermaphrodite, who behaved like beasts in mistaking bodily appetite for their highest good. 
Dante then resumes his conversation with the soul that he was speaking to before. After explaining how he ended up in purgatory while still in his mortal body, Dante learns that his interlocutor is none other than Guido Guinizelli, a vernacular love lyric poet that Dante calls his father. While discussing the vagaries of poetic reputation, Guido in introduces Dante to another love poet that he believes to be greater than himself, the Provençal poet named Arnaud Daniel. Arnaud addresses Dante in his own French dialect. In contrast to the souls in hell who try to conceal their identity, Arnaud explicitly names himself. Je suis Arnaud, he says. He does this even as he confesses his folly and proclaims his hope of future joy, along with his present joy, and asks for Dante's prayers. In doing this, Arnaud dramatizes the deep connection between the act of self-revealing confession, the affection of friendship, the practice of intercessory prayer, and growth in virtue. Now, it's worth noting that Dante's treatment of sexual sin in the Purgatorio seems to differ from the Inferno. Here in the Purgatory, he treats heterosexual and homosexual lust together in the same terrace, while in the Inferno, he had separated them into two different circles. You might ask, why is this? Now, there are two reasons that come to mind. First, the seven deadly sins, or capital vices, that govern the structure of purgatory are simply the most general categories of sin, which include all the others. Dante clearly views these two sins as species of the same vice known as lust. The second reason is that by grouping all lust together in this terrace, Dante emphasizes that all sinners are, in principle, capable of repentance. What distinguishes the sinners in purgatory from the sinners in hell is simply whether or not they repent. Now, in addition to the narrative action, we should also consider the extended comparisons that Dante uses to describe the actions in this canto. In describing the back and forth movement of the souls, Dante uses two different similes. When the penitents greet each other, Dante compares them to ants who meet on a busy pathway, as if exchanging news. Given the proverbial use of ants as an image of zeal, the opposite of sloth, Dante implies that these penitents have overcome sloth. In fact, we could probably identify each of the virtues from previous terraces and find them exemplified in this canto, whether humility or mercy, peace, zeal, generosity, or temperance. Now, Dante's other simile is the image of a migrating flock of birds. The two groups of penitents passing in opposite directions are compared to two groups of migrating birds flying together at the same time in opposite directions some to a cooler climate and some to a warmer climate. Dante is, in effect here, reversing a biblical image from Jeremiah chapter 8. The prophet Jeremiah makes a contrast between birds that know when to make their migration, when to, in a sense, change direction, and the people of ancient Israel who had stubbornly refused to repent. Now, Dante uses the image of migrating birds here, however, to suggest that these souls have indeed repented. The purposeful flight of such migrating birds also provides a direct contrast to the bird simile that's used to describe the unrepentant lustful in the Inferno, as you may remember. In Canto 5 of the Inferno, those enslaved to lust are compared to birds, but specifically to those that are driven and compelled by the external force of the winds. By contrast, the lustful in Purgatory who have repented are compared to birds in flight who are actually guided by a sense of internal direction rather than external compulsion.
Third, when we first encountered the gates of purgatory in Canto 9, I invited you to consider a question regarding each terrace in purgatory. In effect, what does the experience of the souls here in this terrace show us about how the disordered affections of this vice become the well-ordered love that is virtue? Now, in this seventh terrace, the question thus becomes, what is Dante showing us about how the vice of lust is transformed into the virtue of chastity? At one level, the means of grace available here are the same as in other terraces. First, there's singing with others. Then there's, secondly, oral confession. Third, the recounting of both positive and negative examples from scripture, classical myth, and history. Fourth, intercessory prayer. And finally, suffering, the contrapasso. In this case, the fire. The purpose of this suffering, this striving, is to reorder the desires so that God and all God's creatures are loved in the right way to the right degree, so that these souls can enjoy the greatest happiness for which they're made, union with God. Remember that in Canto 17, Virgil explained how all vices and virtues consist in some sense of the soul's motion in loving desire. The final three vices of greed, gluttony, and lust are connected not with a love for something wrong, as in the lower circles, or even a defective love, as in sloth, but rather an excessive love for a creaturely good. Dante assumes that the enjoyment of material wealth, whether food to eat and sexual pleasure, are all genuine human goods. They are, however, all secondary goods, not to be mistaken for the supreme source of human happiness. What distinguishes lust from the other vices is its tendency to make the satisfaction of sexual appetite the supreme human good, or the ultimate source of happiness. By contrast, the virtue of chastity consists in the enjoyment of beauty such that the resulting desire for union finds complete fulfillment in the union of the human person with God. Such a view may sound strange to modern ears, given that we live in the wake of the Freudian reduction of everything to the material forces of bodily sexual appetite. Dante is, however, quite clear. In his view, the pleasure of sexual union is an image of a greater reality. That is, the ecstasy of the resurrected human person, body and soul, who's united with the self-giving source of all being, the one who is the perfect lover and friend that all creatures need and desire most intimately. Each terrace on Mount Purgatory involves a different form of suffering. So why does the suffering in this terrace take the specific form of fire? The poem assumes a central analogy that Virgil has explained in Purgatorio 18. There's a similarity between the way that the soul rises up to be united with its highest joy and the way or the form by which the earthly fire rises to be united with eternal fires in the sky. All such love, all motions of the soul toward union with beauty is itself natural and blameless. However, Precisely because humans have the rational power to choose among good ends, humans are not simply subject to bodily appetites as beasts are. And this, again, is why Dante uses the story of Pasiphae to describe those who mistake the satisfaction of sexual appetite for the highest human good. For Dante, the purpose of Purgatory's fire is not to destroy, but to draw the soul up into reality. This upward fire-like motion does not finally leave the body behind. It is instead a preparation for the resurrection of the body and its ecstatic union with the living and self-giving personal source of all things, both seen and unseen.
For Dante, finally, the primary human means by which the love for beauty is cultivated is through poetry. And that's why the canto ends with conversations with Guido Guinizelli and Arnaud Daniel. They're both part of the troubadour tradition of vernacular love poetry that Dante has inherited. Now, Robert Hollander and Giuseppe Mazzotta see Dante as making an important distinction here between what he calls the sweet style of vernacular love poetry and the sweet new style that Dante himself has initiated in his collection of poems called La Vita Nuova, or The New Life. Now, what makes Dante's poetry new is that it goes beyond the conventions of romantic verse to the revelation of divine love that can come through such an experience of beauty. The difference between the sweet style of Guido and Arnaud and the sweet new style of Dante is the difference between a love that seeks momentary satisfaction and a love that seeks enduring communion with the one who gives all creation. Now, earlier in Canto 18, Virgil had described as blind those who failed to recognize this distinction among forms of love. Here in Canto 26, Dante explains to Guido that he's climbing the mountain specifically so that he would overcome his own blindness. Thus, in this final terrace of purgatory, Guido and Arnaud dramatize joyful hope. Dante witnesses their confidence that their love and their vision is being transformed from one kind into the other as they confess, as they sing, as they pray for one another, and as they learn what it means to share affection through the exchange of a kiss that is truly holy. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.